Welcome to Cloud Out Loud podcast with your hosts, John Gallagher and Logan Gallagher. Join these two skeptical enthusiasts, or are they enthusiastic skeptics, as they talk to each other about the cloud out loud. These two gents are determined to stay focused on being lazy and cheap as they evaluate what's going on in the cloud, how it affects their projects and company cultures, and sometimes how it affects the world outside of computing infrastructure. Please remember that the opinions expressed here are solely those of the participants and not those of any cloud provider, software vendor, or any other entity. As with everything in the software industry, your mileage may vary. Welcome back. This is episode two of Cloud Out Loud podcast. I'm John Gallagher. And I'm Logan Gallagher. We start off last time with a structure which we're immediately going to violate. We found a couple of blog posts that we wanted to talk about today. One from outside of Google. Actually, the blog itself is more directed towards AWS, but has a lot of themes that apply to all clouds and a lot of themes that we want to discuss here on the Cloud Out Loud blogcast. It comes to us from Corey Quinn, who does the last week in AWS email and has some really valuable insights into where cloud providers should be going in terms of introducing the cloud and training people about the cloud. Yeah, so the blog piece is called The Dumbest Dollars a Cloud Provider Can Make. And within the blog, Corey discusses the training programs as well as certification programs that the various cloud providers offer and raises the point that when, for example, these cloud platforms are charging $250, $300 for a certification, it's his belief that this is a disincentive to people really taking the time to learn enough about these cloud platforms in order to successfully take the test and achieve the certification. And he argues that where the cloud providers should be going is trying to get as many people certified as possible, trying to get as many people trained as possible in order to win over Mindshare. And when you have developers that are familiar with your platform and, in fact, maybe even like your platform, then they're going to go back into their organizations and be advocates for your platform whenever they're making architectural decisions and deciding which cloud provider they may use for their organization. Yeah. Quick side note, if you listen to episode zero, you would have heard that both Logan and I are trainers for Google Cloud, and I'm an Amazon authorized instructor. So right out of the box, you may be saying, but wait, how do you guys get paid? And that's exactly what we ask in this in this context. We fully expect that the cloud provider should give away this training and pay us at the same time. But I think there's enough money floating around for that. You know, literally charging people for training and not paying trainers would be chasing after pennies and ignoring dollars. And I think Corey brings that up in the in the blog entry as well. So we do think that we as trainers ought to be paid, but that the cloud providers should deeply discount, not look at these things as turning a profit, except in the context of mindshare. You know, if these are... If the training classes put the skills right in the forefront, because training is necessarily a sales process as well. I'm introducing you to this new technology. If it's new to you, I'm also having to not sell it per se, not use car salesperson uh, approach, but I am having to 
convince you that this technology is something you should use in favor of the skill set that you already have. Yeah, it should be noted that Corey Quinn in the blog piece sings the praises of both the training and certification teams at Amazon specifically, but he has a passage here that I think sums up his stance saying, my issue lies entirely with charging for the training team's work, baking the cost because the influenced revenue that they drive is monstrous compared to the relative peanuts that they bring in directly. So I think there he gets at the nugget of it is the revenue that you may be gaining by charging for the training team as a cloud provider is pretty small compared to the benefits that that training can bring to driving future revenue for the cloud with organizations that are receiving the training. And Corey, in so many words, I don't think he actually uses this term in his blog piece, but in so many words, is calling for training and certification to be loss leaders for these cloud platforms, which have plenty of other sources of revenue, i.e. EC2. <laughs> or Corey's particular bugaboo, Manage Net. Yes, yes, Get indeed. him started on that sometime. Manage Net Gateway, yep. The other thing, obviously, is as someone who has provided, let's say, free cans of Coke to people and then collected half-empty cans of Coke around at a party, there needs to be some sort of value attached to it because free things tend not to have be associated with value. So maybe there's some sort of time limit. Maybe there's some sort of, as Google is engaged in right now, the month of November has free or various forms of free training with a, not necessarily a certificate, but definitely at, at least some sort of recognition at the end of November, maybe there's a charge. Or maybe you start a class and if you finish it within a certain period of time, there's no charge. Obviously, we want to not diminish the value of training in that classic economic free versus some sort of effort. But ultimately, the cloud providers need to know that the training process is marketing in another form, a more benign form of marketing, say, than email flooding. So we are in violent agreement with Corey on this, as we usually are. Corey is a vital voice in the cloud community, although that our opinion may not be matched by other people in other clouds. <laughs> Corey can have rather sharp elbows about opinions he cares very much about. Well, I think we can go on to the other blog piece that piqued our interest this week, which is one that came out yesterday, conveniently, and was is the third part in GCP's blog series on Google Cloud Function Anti-Patterns. And this one is called How to Establish Outbound Connections Correctly. Yeah, as we were getting ready to record this, we were kind of biting our nails because we committed in the previous episode that we would follow this arc and then nothing appeared until last night. Oh, thank God. Yeah, worked out perfect timing. So this blog piece is discussing when you have a Google Cloud Function that's making outbound HTTP request either to a GCP API or a third-party API, maybe to some authentication service, maybe to an API that's doing voice-to-text or some other data transformation process. And when that cloud function is making the HTTP request, there are two common problems that you may be noticing in your monitoring and logging. One is an increase in error messages related to 
trying to call that HTTP endpoint or API that the cloud function is trying to reach and receiving an error message, either 400 level for authentication or 500 if it is a unreliable API endpoint. And oftentimes, if the cloud function is trying to make that call and is unsuccessful, the execution time of the cloud function may expire before it gets a successful HTTP request. So you're seeing your cloud function instances spin up, try to complete their logic, including making that HTTP request, and just hanging and eventually dying. The blog calls out two possible issues that you may need to be solving for, either the errors, or it could just be a long asynchronous call. If it's a particularly intensive API call, say you are making a call to retrieve a large object from a cloud storage bucket. At this long, typically asynchronous type call may cause increased latency for your function, even if it's successful and you're not seeing any error messages. So between increased error rates and increased latency, a common pattern for improving the performance of your cloud functions is to offload your requests to another cloud service. The blog post offers a couple of solutions. One is to use a GCP managed service known as Cloud Tasks. Cloud Tasks have built into it retry functionality so that if you know that you need to, in the course of your cloud function, processing its logic, you need to make a call to an HTTP endpoint that may be unreliable and you have seen in the past 500 errors, and you are, know that you're going to need to do some retry against that endpoint, you could offload that request to a queue for a cloud task. Then the cloud task managed service will digest that request message and make the request that you're desiring and can handle any retries necessary in order to eventually make that call. The other pattern that they offer is putting that event onto a PubSub queue, which would then invoke another cloud function that could handle this process asynchronously. And this can be especially valuable if you have a cloud function that is that needs very low latency and is performing more typical synchronous operations. Maybe it's a chatbot that's interacting with a client and you want to have quick response times between messages, but if you have a more intensive process you want to complete, like retrieving a large file out of a bucket or transforming an image into a, a new file format, that type of process you could offload onto some type of a message queue that could be handled by Cloud yeah. Functions, so the CF Cloud Resources here, that can handle it more in the background. So I obviously I like this blog entry for the technical aspects of it. There's some very clear explanations of the problems and very clear possible answers. But one of the things I wish they would talk about is that the people who are challenged by this problem are frequently taking on cloud functions for the first time. This is the first time they're calling something external to the runtime of their program itself. If you are someone who's transitioning, let's say, from a data center, a traditional IT environment, you've been writing applications that have a beginning, that have a middle, that have an end, 
and everything that happens happens within the context of the program. Maybe you send something out to be printed and the printer handles it. But this idea of your program acting as a dispatcher, as taking in, oh, this needs to be done. I will hand it off to my right-hand side here. And whatever is on my right will process it. If you have a traditional monolithic mindset, you're making a function call and waiting for it to come back. Think of a human dispatcher. The human dispatcher takes the task in, routes the task to another human being, then assumes the task is being done. And if the task is not being done, there's some sort of timeout, some sort of retry that the human dispatcher does saying, hey, Clarence or Irene, was that task done? Think of this in terms of a software program where, oh, I'm chatting with user A here and user A has requested their entire account history over the last 17 years. That possibly will not occur within the a timely fashion so that I can continue speaking with user A. So I'm going to offload it to the account generation. The entity goes off and does its thing and I promise that user A will, will get an email back. If there's an error, then the account generation routine can either inform me, the dispatcher, or it can inform the user within the email and send a message to my monitoring system. So this monolithic approach that you have as a traditional developer needs to be broken up. You need to have services that interoperate with each other, but also expose things like, oh, the database went down, or the database doesn't have 17 years worth of activity, so that we can fix the account generation module and not affect the chatbot. So the thing that pulls both of these blog entries together, Corey Quinn's requesting that the training be more accessible, the team that put together this blog entry about anti-patterns are both kind of telling us and need to be more explicit. The world is different in the cloud. And not only do you have to acquire new skills, new knowledge, you have to acquire a new mindset, possibly a new culture within your company. You need to be able to go back to your boss and tell your boss, well, the account management subroutine needs to be separate from the chatbot for the following reasons. And we end up with two teams, but we end up with more efficient workflow through our system. So as we discussed in episode zero, a continuing theme of our podcast is what are the profound things, what's the cultural changes that need to occur to take advantage of the cloud and be more effective? And I think we found two blog entries this week that, that are good examples of that process. Absolutely. That cloudy thinking is different from when you can bundle up your entire application in one monolithic code base and run it on one server where you have now the ability and the responsibility within these cloud platforms to leverage their extremely powerful managed services. And in the example of cloud tasks and GCP, you have a managed service with, that has built-in retry functionality so that you're not having to add that at the application logic layer. You're able to rely on this whole managed service for that part of your application that would otherwise be a background task or routine within a monolith in the monolithic world. And so when you are breaking down your application into more composable modular pieces within a cloud environment, 
there is opportunity there to leverage extremely powerful tools. And I think it, it's of our opinion that the cloud can bring enormous benefit to your applications, to your programming workflow, but it does require a mindset change. It does, does require some cloudy thinking. And just as a final note, it's not all benign out there. I think one of the most underrated lines I've ever read in documentation is in some of the documentation this points to. There's a line that says, in some cases, unlimited scaling is not desirable. <laughs> in other words, instant bankruptcy. <laughs> so the cloud is there. The cloud can be leveraged. The cloud is obviously incredibly powerful and like all powerful things, treated like a chainsaw. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure in upcoming episodes, we'll have much to say about cost management. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And oh, by the way, Corey Quinn is the king of, uh, of cost Indeed. management. Final thing. So we're another week into it. How's Web3 going? We've seen a lot of commentary about especially Facebook's change to meta. I don't know if there's anything. Nothing this week caught my eye in terms of what's going on in the world of Web3 other than People trying to figure out what Facebook is really up to and what the world that they're promising is going to look like. Yeah, I saw an ironic commentary, possibly foreboding commentary, and this is regarding NFTs, but possibly reflects the thinking behind Web3 at all. And if we're going to have NFT, does that mean we have to turn off right clicks? If we are going to a Web3 universe, if we're trying to monetize all interactions on the, on the internet, the what does it mean really is a question we have to be very careful about. Yeah. And on the topic of Facebook's metaverse, that's a different vision than the more decentralized emphasis on individual ownership vision that many in the crypto or NFT world would look at. Facebook always has wanted to create their platforms and wall gardens in which you can be a creator, but on their own terms. And some of the crypto and NFT projects are more focused on independent platforms. So we do see competing visions for this emergent paradigm or trend or, or what have you. And we'll keep monitoring it. Thank you all for tuning in. And that's been episode two of Cloud Out Loud podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cloud Out Loud podcast. Please let us know in comments if you caught either of the gents calling a product or technology by the wrong name. Other information and suggestions are welcome too. Or feel free to tweet us at at cloudoutloudpod or email us at cloudoutloud at ndhsw.com. We hope to see you again next week for another episode of Cloud Out Loud. <laughs>